0: Hey everyone, this is George from the Present Fathers Podcast. Wanted to put out a quick disclaimer for this episode. It is a very controversial topic. It's a very hot topic in culture today. And we wanted to address it in a way that was productive and uh, made our position clear. And we just also wanted to call out that our position on this issue is that we feel trans athletes who were former men, now women, do not have a right to compete in women's sports because it is an unfair advantage that they have. That is our position. Our guest has his own beliefs and his positions as well, um, and he said some things that although we agree with the same argument about their uh, you know, right to compete in sports, the way that he said them, we don't agree with. So our guests from time to time may have differing opinions, may say things that we don't necessarily agree with. So we're just putting out that disclaimer that our guest has his feelings, and he stands by them, and we will stand by ours. And uh, hopefully you can kind of look past anything in this episode and you know see the spirit of the thing and where our position is on this matter and so we thank you for listening and supporting us and uh, hope that you find this episode helpful welcome to the present father's podcast this is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together we believe that dads matter that's why this show is for you so gear up dads get ready Time to start climbing. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Present Fathers podcast. Tonight, we are joined by John Peterson. I will let him introduce himself, but he has a long list of accolades. Uh, one such being that he was a professional golfer and recently has uh, been very prominent on the, the Twitter space uh, <laughs> with, with some very interesting conversations he's had. And, um, We're going to talk about something tonight that, you know, trigger warning here. This is going to be a uh, hot topic, um, mainly about transgender athletes, male to female, competing in professional sports. Um, And so John is going to first introduce himself, talk about his family, his background, and uh, we're going to get into some spicy conversation tonight. So... If you have a uh, you know weak constitution when it comes to some debate, then uh, you know tune out now. Otherwise, we're going to get right into it. So, John, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your background and and how you got to where you are today, brother?
1: Yeah, I love that warning. You know, I, I should probably do that, but like before I get on anything, you know, when we do ours, we don't warn anyone about anything. You know, they get halfway through it and they hate it, so they just turn it off. But I like that. There, people that hate it are already gone. So perfect. Um, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. Still live here. Been here forever. Uh, spent seven years in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Went to LSU. Then uh, stayed another two years, uh, just because I was having such a great time in my early twenties. Turned pro. Started playing golf on the PGA Tour in 2012. Almost won the U.S. Open that year, and uh, that got me on the PGA Tour full time the next year. Spent six years on tour, ended in 2019 when I had surgery on both wrists. So between 2012 and 2019, I got married in 16. So Amanda got to see me play a couple of years. We've had four kids since then. Um, We'll be seven years married in December. We have four kids. I've got a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a nine-month-old. So they are all over the place. Um, As we're speaking, uh, she's doing bedtime right now, and I told these guys earlier I'm not envious of her, so I'm happy to be on the show. Um, (laughs) But that is a quick synopsis of the last 10 years for me. Um, I do not think my golf career is why I'm on this podcast. I think what I think is we're going to get into some extremely spicy conversation, which ultimately I'm better at than golf.
0: Not a bad skill to have, but we are—we're thrilled to have you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, no. The the real reason is you're a dad, and obviously, uh, four times over there. So, good luck to you both with uh, so four under five (laughs) or five and under. Yeah, keeping you busy. Yeah, we're uh, well. Right now, we're praying for your wife as she's fending (laughs) off uh, the fire team out there. You You left her in in the
2: trenches taking grenades. You're you're comfortably in the
0: office (laughs)
1: right now, so we'll. The thing is, I've I've got this office, all right, and my desk sits and looks out. I've got doors that close, but they're glass, so I'm just watching. I'm watching the world war unfold as I'm sitting here on your podcast in front of me. So (laughs) Uh, I might get, I might be getting flipped off here in a second. Eye daggers, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well,
0: we want to uh, say thanks to your wife for uh, buying us some time here so we can do this, but. I guess anything else about your background you want to dive into or you just want to get right to it in terms of uh, the, the oh, conversation?
1: You know, there's nothing that much more important about me, I guess. You know, I like I am a pilot. You, you said you want yeah. to talk about that. I'm, I'm a new pilot. I'm a very amateur pilot. All right. My wife still hadn't flown with me. Uh, I've been a pilot about 15 months uh, and she, my birthday's next week. And I, that's all I wanted. I was like, all you got to do is come up to play with me. And she, she's going to come up next week.
2: But what do you fly? If You don't mind me asking.
1: Yeah, I've got a Piper Saratoga. It's a six seater, single engine. um, Pretty, pretty basic. It's what you train on, you know, as as a four seater, usually they're Warriors or Cherokees, something like that, you know, or Cessna 172, something like that. That's what most people train on. And then when you, when you get your private pilot license or your instrument rating or whatever, you decide to buy an airplane, you usually go one step up. Uh, If you're smart, you know you don't want to have too much airplane too fast so i went you know to a saratoga which is basically a bigger trainer um, more capable but it flies similar to what i was working on
0: cool man nice. that's amazing awesome well um so let's reference the kind of initial conversation that has made you a little bit more popular than used to be uh, all of uh, what six weeks ago <laughs> I guess so, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Twitter kind of exploded with that one. Um, yeah, so why don't you just kind of give us a little background for those who may not be really aware of, of that whole altercation, so to speak, uh, that the exchange, exchange is a better word.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, um, I kind of got to, you got you to remember that Twitter is not real life. Exactly. Right? Twitter's not real life, for one. And then you got to remember that only 2% of the world has Twitter, okay? And of those 2%, like half of a percent are active. So you're talking about a very small percentage of people that are using this app. But when you get on it, then you see 30,000 likes on some tweet. You're like, oh, my God, everybody's using it. No, that's not the case. All right. right. Let's, just, let's just put that out there first. So what you're talking about is a college golfer who, whose name was Scott Davidson. He played at uh, Davidson College. Or no, it wasn't. That's his last name. He played at Charlotte. Played at Charlotte from 2013 to 16. And I've just done a little bit of research because I had to get a little one or two facts when I was debating this guy. So, sorry, girl, whatever he is, I don't know, doesn't matter. Um, Scott was a man playing college golf at Charlotte, did not have much success, um, never won a golf tournament. He played top five here and there. And by top five, I mean he started. Okay so if you're not familiar with college golf there's five guys that play a tournament they count four scores okay so he played number three or four for the most part in his college career then he turned pro and anybody would have told him anybody with any experience as a professional would have said you have a long road ahead of you with that kind of pedigree coming out i mean the scoring average is in the mid 70s there is not a pro golfer on earth that has ever made any money with a scoring average over 72. Sorry, it just doesn't happen. So he comes out of college and not surprisingly has no success as a, as a professional golfer. I think his career earnings were in the like $120, range. I mean, nothing. (laughs) So, so he decides to have a sex change. Okay. Decides to chop his pecker off and, and play against the women. If you wanted to. All right. And I have no problem. I have, I, I really don't care. Like if someone wants to chop their backer off and pretend they're a girl the rest of their life, I don't care. Like if you want to run around in a ballet suit and do tutus yep. and do gymnastics yep. your whole you do life, you boo, you know, go ahead. Yep. That's fine. But the minute that you step into the arena with actual women, pretending that you're on the same level as them as a man, then we got a serious problem. So, anyway, I, I went I on this. He finished, he, she finished second in this women's pro event. Okay. And it was the first event he played. Okay. We're talking about a guy that couldn't crack an egg as a pro male. First event, second, makes, you know, a couple grand, like 10X his lifetime earnings in his first event. And so, uh, an account that's very popular in the golf world, uh, Monday Q Info. Tweeted it out. Tweeted the result, and I would have never found it if he hadn't have tweeted it out. Now, I, his his name is Ryan French. He's he does an excellent job of covering mini tours and and small time professional golf. So I commented. I just said, "Thank God it lost because they, you know, he finished second. So one one actual female beat beat this guy, and and then you know, it took about four hours, and I guess." I guess he saw it and then replied to me underneath and I don't remember what he said, but we went back and forth. There were seven or eight exchanges each. And I basically just slammed the door with a picture of my family and all six of us, you know, in our Christmas card. I said, look, man, this is what I come home to like. I feel joy around my family constantly because of these children. And I don't want your joy to be to be coming from beating biological women. If my kids have to play against you or anyone like you in 15 years, I'm going to have I'm going to be in prison for life. Like I'm there, there's going to be people wanting me dead. Like it's just yeah. it's a serious <laughs> problem. Um, we We talked about it earlier before we got on, but left is left is right right is wrong and um up is down and down is up like everything seems backwards right now but that was basically in a nutshell the exchange between me and her name is now Haley davidson gotcha i would have said that
2: was an exchange i would have said that was a massacre with the responses you had they were pretty (laughs) pretty amazing
1: Yeah, uh, they, were, they weren't bad. I can't remember what I said. I, I had about three or four bourbons before uh, <laughs> before I got into that. Sweet
2: Baton Rouge. So you definitely had your <laughs> thinking cap on.
1: But yeah, so that, that's
0: a nice segue into what really the core issue is here, right? It's not, <clears throat> we're not here to debate whether or not it's right for someone to become trans and, and do that, you know, like that's a personal choice, whatever. That's a topic for a completely, probably very separate forum than what we're going to get into tonight. I don't think that's really relevant to our show what we wanted to focus on is the issue about professional sports. And it seems like there is a huge, I think it's a very vocal minority, but it just seems bigger than they are that think it's such a great thing and it's progressive and that it's fair. And that's really the biggest thing is it's robbing women of a level playing field of competing against other women. And so that, that kind of is where we wanted to, to hone in on tonight and just kind of kick it around. And several of us are dads who have daughters and you know, this The future where it's going right now is a bleak one when it comes to sports right for our for our daughters to have to compete and for those today having to you know i think justin brought it up before we went live was you work your whole life to be the best at your craft and then you know a guy decides to become a woman and boom now you know he's got this humongous advantage over you because he was a man for 20 plus years so dustin you kind of dug into the uh some of the studies right and you know just yeah i'd love hint, to hear Dustin. hint at some of what you what you found from a from a research point of view
3: yeah it's actually pretty well researched um the and, and when you look at it i mean there's 25 30 different sports organizations that are allowing biological males uh, to compete as women um so you know it's not like it's this fringe idea um more and more you know whether it's golf or swimming or mma weightlifting um you know there are all these sports organizations are saying that if uh, a biological male has taken a year of estrogen um, that, and some organizations are different. Some wanna see a surgical change, some don't care. Um, So like the whole reason Leah Thomas just had that issue a little while ago, the swimmer, was because he still uh, had male genitalia at the time that he was in a woman's uh, locker room. And so he was competing against female swimmers, was in their locker room stripping down naked, saw them naked and they felt uncomfortable because they didn't know you know, that they would have a biological male um, in the locker room with them. So there's other issues aside from just the, com- the competitive element in that, you know, um, you don't have to, you have to consent to these kinds of things. Uh, but, you know, even Joe Rogan um, said in a recent podcast that if the female competitor knows that their uh, their opponent was a former uh, male. Well,
0: he's talking specifically in know, MMA.
3: Yeah, exactly. Trying that, to organize know, that, a fight. Yeah, that, you know, that that would be okay. Um, and so, you know, all of these organizations are kind of Cohesing on this idea that it's okay um, for biological males who have transitioned um, and have low enough testosterone levels um, to compete with women. Um, so, you know, it's it's not more popular. I think all the polls show that you know people throughout the world don't believe that biological males should compete in women's sports. Um, but right. nevertheless, all these organizations, International Olympic Committee, um, LPGA was actually one of the first. It was a watershed moment. Was your sport uh, golf? Um, where in 2010, uh, was it uh, Lawless uh, something? Not Lucy Lawless, the actress, um, was uh, one of the first competitors that was a male. Lana Lawless? Lana Lawless, yeah, exactly, in 2010. um, uh, Successfully, uh, so she had a lawsuit against the LPGA, said that um, I should be able to compete. And then they didn't even, she didn't have to win the lawsuit. They just said, drop it, we're going to let you play. They let her jump right in. Um, so, you know, all these organizations are saying that this is okay under certain conditions. Um, so it's, it it seems odd at the face of it, you know, we're all athletes. Um, we understand that, you know, I've been through puberty. I'm six foot four, 220 pounds. Um, if today as a 40 year old man, uh, I transitioned, took all the estrogen, I would still be a six foot four, um, you know, former man who went through male puberty. Um, and, and so that, you know, that, that is where the challenge is. But again, you know, you have multiple scientific studies um, throughout the world, you know, England, America, all these places that um, are, according to their research, uh, showing that biological males, as long as they've taken the hormones, um, do not have a competitive advantage uh, against women in these sports. And there's, there's 28 titles that are held right now by biological men. Um, so it's not like these, these trans athletes are just jumping in and just smashing everything right I mean there are women that can hold their own against um, these athletes so that's uh, you know that's kind of the other side of the coin
1: but should they have to John what do you think dude I think this whole conversation is so ridiculous like but just listening listening to <laughs> this and and the conversations the stuff I see on Twitter and online like I I'm so it's like the COVID thing. Like it was interesting for, for like six to 10 months and then everybody was just so sick of that shit that that just, yep. just didn't care anymore. Like I'm to the point now where like it's only been, when was that? Then I tweeted that probably like three or four weeks ago. Like, but I've done four or five, six podcasts where people wanted me to come on and, exp- and just explain, you know, my perspective on this stuff. And I'm getting tired of it, dude. I'm getting so sick of talking about transgender athletes and men playing against women. Like, it's never happened before. Everybody knows that the men have an advantage. Like, if you have half a brain cell left, you know that. Like, estrogen for a year? Yep. Come on. Like you're 6'4, 240 pounds. You take estrogen for a year. You could probably pay in the WNBA and be the number one lead scorer in the entire thing. Like, it's ridiculous. That's the title. Yeah.
2: Dustin, yeah. you have a new career ahead of you now. And here's the other thing. Here's the thing, the question that nobody's asking. Kobe. Who funds these tests?
0: Right. Who the are getting the mean? results? Yes. Because yeah. result, uh, the, as the we've studies. seen in the last couple of years, they would money would never Oh, ever and, possibly change the outcome of a scientific study? Yeah. Here, so so on the realm of science, I have a, another flying ointment here. So that did not zoom in very good. Hang on, let me see if I can share that better.
1: What is this?
0: It's so this is the Army's combat fitness test scale. Um, I don't know why it's showing it so like small. It should be blown up, but let me just zoom in. Is that better? There we go. So on the grading scale here right so you know people are going to say trust the science well initially this test was going to have no uh age bracket and no gender uh you know there it was just one score well without going into too much detail uh you know they had to change the test i'll let you figure out why um so it's back to having a male and female scale and it, it now also has age brackets but the look at the disparity here between so i'm 34 I have to do a 340 pound deadlift three times to get 100 points and a female only has to do two, 230 pounds. And then on the run, if you come down to the bottom, I have to run a 1342, they have to run a 1518. So if the army's saying there's difference between men and women, then why is it somehow in sports this difference magically disappears and you're going to say that they're the same competitor, right? So. This is the new test that everyone in the Army has to do. Um, so I did mine in October. I'll have to do it again. You know, I'm in the Guard. We only do it every now and then. But <clears throat> that's an interesting kind of the same crowd that wants to say science, science, science. Well, now here you have the US military saying, from a scientific point of view, because this is all based off of studies they spent millions and millions of dollars on. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. What is it? Are men different or, or are they not? So, that was just kind of an example that, to your point, John, highlights how ludicrous this entire point is. Um, and so I guess what, maybe where we can take this too is like as dads, you know, is it, is it just talking about it like this? Like what do we what do we do? Because quite frankly, my daughter's seven now, she's starting to do more um, athletics, sports, things like that. I don't know if she'll ever be super competitive at something, but if she wants to be, I don't want to have to worry about, you know, one day. Timmy is now Sally and runs twice as fast as her or whatever. Right. Which is a very real thing. So, um, I guess, where do we go from here? Right? Like, let, let's have that discussion since apparently people don't want to.
1: Yeah. I think you, you've got to have a league for the trainees. Like you want to go have your own league, go for it. Like nobody cares if you compete against each other. That's not an advantage. Like, go ahead, do that. Like men, women, trainees done. You know, but the problem is there's only five of them in the country. So, like, yeah. there's the league's not big enough to to give them any merit to beat anyone. That's like, a great point. It so, is, it, there's mm. just not enough at transgender athletes in any sports to have a league. So they got to play against normal people, and, and there's your problem, right? Because how do we fit everybody's cup of tea in? Well,
2: that's the problem: is is everyone is pandering to one percent of the population and alienating the rest. Uh, And if you stop and think about it, another thing that not a lot of people are talking about is what do females take to become men? Testosterone. And why did they do that? Because it makes them more like a man. And why would they want to be a man? Because they're more masculine. They're stronger. They're faster. They're capable of more physically. That's exactly why a female would ever take testosterone, especially, you know, the female bodybuilders who are trying to compete with men there's zero chance ever unless they're taking testosterone or steroids or both. I mean, that's just a a fact. And you want to talk science that is 100% real and it's not something that anyone's ever going to talk about, which is what's so sad is that testosterone literally is what divides us from females. It's literally what makes us males. And science says we are literally different because of that. That's it. Our hormones technically.
3: Well, it's more than that. It's also um, puberty, right? I mean, if you go through male puberty, you can have a zero testosterone level and you'll still have a different body type than a woman, right? Because by your argument, I could take a bunch of estrogen, get all the testosterone out of my system and I wouldn't have a a competitive advantage. Um, So my suspicion is, and I'm prognosticating a little bit here going into the future. I think that the argument, once all the scientific studies come out over the next couple of years showing that men clearly who have gone through a, a, a male puberty, have a physical advantage. Um, I think it's undeniable, because you are seeing more and more studies coming out showing that yes, even with lower testosterone levels, biological males defeat uh, biological females in sports most of the time. I think the next argument will be, it doesn't matter because we have to affirm uh, trans people's gender. And so that takes precedent over fair competition in sports. And I think that'll be the next argument, probably 2024, 2025. The, lo-
0: the fallacy in that argument then is, so you're going to, to, you know, honor this person, you're going to sacrifice this other, more people, actually. Yeah. Right. But, it, so but I think in the, so
3: the, like, the hierarchy of wokeness of, like, who is, like, you know, I, I think trans people get to go over the top of women currently. I mean, that's, that just seems to be the political climate right now. Is, right. So,
0: they, but that's what I'm saying. So, as a fa- as fathers who have daughters, right, we're raising daughters in a world now where they are now a second-class individual to someone who wants to go through, transgender surgery and all that kind of stuff and hormone therapy you know to me that is unacceptable that like that's an absolute line in the sand for me um and you know this is like the it's like this is the opposite every feminist should be screaming right because they fought for how many hundreds of years to have right. women you know in in a more prominent role and here now it's like a guy decides he wants to be a chick and it undoes centuries
1: of your progress yeah so you reminded I, me of- i oh, sorry. Right, go I stepped ahead. on you. No, no, you're good, brother. Go ahead. You reminded me of a reply that I got to my tweet. Um, it was a, it was a lady. Her name was Lisa Cornwell. She used to work at the Golf Channel, and she's a, she's a feminist. I mean, she is, and that's fine. Go ahead, be your feminist, whatever. But you should be pulling for me. Like she was mad at yeah. me. Like she was, she was on the transgender side, and it made zero sense to me. Because I'm, I'm pulling for the women here. Like I am, I am the biggest fan of the women in this entire conversation. And she was coming after me. Like I, like I wanted to kill all the women in the world, but I think these people are so skewed in their brain that they're classifying this dude as the number one woman, like if you're a man and then you turn to be a woman, like you said, it's almost like they're celebrated as the face of feminism. Right? It's not the case. And so I had, I had a little back and forth with her too. And she, of course she didn't reply after my second answer, but (laughs) that was, that was so shocking to me um, that a feminist would be, she called me an asshole, like all this stuff. And and I'm just like, look, I am championing women here. Like I am, if no one's going to pull for the women, the men better. If the women won't pull for each other, then the men better. Right. Because then there's no one left, right? Then, well, and then it's the it's strange burning. too,
0: because even women who are like either current or former, you know, prominent female athletes in each of their different sports who are trying to speak out against like what's really going on and you know, how unfair it is. They're being like, crucified publicly you know um you know character assassination essentially just across the board like there's some horrible women you know trying to trample on women's rights like i they should be the face of feminism and i I, you know it's baffling to me as a man because it's like the people who who seem like like you said should be on the same team are are somehow attacking each other too and so i i mean it's just it's loony where we are right now but yeah dustin you have a really good point about uh Caitlin Jenner, um, <laughs> surprisingly.
3: Right, so Caitlyn Jenner, um, the former track athlete Bruce Jenner, um, yesterday, the day before, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, John, um, formed a pack to uh, raise money to keep uh, former male athletes out of women's sports. So the most prominent trans person probably in the world um, has now made it and her mission. And in sports, yeah, exactly, it's made it her mission to um, to stop this, right? It's, it's called the Fairness First Pact, uh, and it's it's interesting because, uh, of course, she's been crucified as yes, you're trans, and yes, uh, you were the face of this movement for years, but now you slightly disagree with us on this one issue, so now we're going to um, pillory you. Um, and so it's really interesting seeing, you know, even Caitlyn Jenner, right? Who a couple of years ago was the darling of the the woke left is now um, not you can never be woke enough, I guess is the issue. Yeah.
1: Well, I think you understand it because I can understand that because he was a, he was the best in the world. Like he, he was at the pinnacle of men's sports uh, at one point. And so he knows cause he's been there how much of an advantage it would It would have been for him to race against women. Like, so he knows that's just blatantly unfair. And he, it sounds like it sounds as if, you know, he, he's, he's fine or she's fine caitlin jenner's fine with with being a transgender person he's just doesn't want him in sports and that's what we've said from day one like we don't care just go ahead just don't play against don't play against women and and it sounds like since he's been at the best in the world he understands what an advantage it would be if he was running against women i mean he would have won by 25 yards you know in in some of those races
0: it kind of you know it raises a really what happens is this, all, all the wokeness, the woke, cult, woke culture, right? They demand, they demand, they demand, and no matter how much you give them, it's never enough, right? And so even, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, who is like the poster child for all of these, you know, woke ideologies and didn't like time or something give him, her, the, like, I don't know, woman of the year or something like that. Didn't Wasn't there some huge, you know, feminine accolades were thrown on Caitlyn Jenner um I can't remember specifically which one but again it's like even he was a beneficiary of this where like you know swapped over to female and now one woman of the year or something like that and now they're like coming after him so it's you know I think that's really where in our own homes <clears throat> as fathers that's where we draw the line initially right is you don't bow down so like you gave a per- you spoke out against it that like we all need to do that no matter how much ridicule there may be because we're in a time where you know, just being silent and trying to be nice or whatever, that doesn't work. These, these, the woke people totally convinced by this ideology, it'll never be enough. There's no appeasing them. So, and now they're eating their own.
2: Yeah, but. well, they're starting to, but it, I want to actually rebuttal something Dustin said. He said, you have to go through male puberty. That is absolute BS. So I'm, I'm actually reading a study right now that says the musculoskeletal system is made up of our bones and our muscles. Males have larger and stronger bones than females at birth. This is predetermined in utero by the basic male embryo, which produces testosterone. We are more uh, resistant to trauma and we have stronger muscle fibers from birth. So you're gonna tell me that you have to go through puberty? That's BS, that's an excuse. And I'm telling you right now, it's, it comes down to the chromosomes. When you're in utero, there's a reason they can literally, this is something I work with every day and I sell. We have tests that can literally tell you from a few weeks out if you have a male or a female. The reason why is they can look at your chromosomes, they can look at your blood and your DNA, and they can tell immediately based off of you know what your sex is, where you're going to be. That being said, you don't think they don't know the science behind how strong a female is versus a male or male versus female in, in certain aspects. I'm telling you right now, Genetically and in the in the system we just spoke about, males are superior 100%. We have stronger bones, we have heavier bones and bodies, we have stronger muscle fibers, longer muscle fibers, and we tend to be larger in, as, as humans. I mean it's, it's like, for instance, if, if I had a daughter and I had a son and my son is 15 pounds, let's say, and my daughter is 16 but my son has more muscle and my daughter is heavier. Who you think is gonna smoke who? Come on, let's be real here. I mean, at the end of the day, let's just- You're canceled. Uh, I don't care, whatever. <laughs> cancel me, I'm yeah. just saying, science, people wanna scream science, but they're not actually looking at science.
1: Right, they want it both ways. Can you imagine what, what our great-grandfathers would say in the Great Depression if they were sitting in, in this room and having this conversation? They'd probably like, shoot us. Absolutely. Like it's the, it's yeah. the, this is the dumbest thing I've ever talked about for weeks at a time in my life. Yeah. I'm so sick.
0: Yeah, it's it's really dumb. Uh, Brandon, you've been very silent over there, soaking it all in. Mr. Philosopher, what, what you got for us tonight?
4: Well, I, I just think that this whole issue is an ideological on audi, audio, audiology issue because everybody's being forced by companies and sponsors of all these places to either get on board or they get crucified. Um, I mean, could you literally imagine if let's say this ideology was Christianity, we forced you to wear shirts that say, I love Jesus or supports Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we, we told people that they had to act a certain way, uh, moral, right. Based on a Christian standard in public yeah or you'd be crucified like seriously that would that, it's the ideology that's the issue but for me personally I, I just the way i look at it is a male and female sports is just like somebody who's doping in baseball you know mm-hmm. when you're when you're taking testosterone you get banned it should be the same thing males should not be in females and that's i'll just leave it at that but um i actually had a question for you um what uh other than golf are there any other favorite sports that you have and are there anything specifically that you want to see your kids playing in the future
1: yeah i was i was a guy that played pretty much everything growing up and didn't really have a a favorite sport until my dad set me down in ninth grade and uh, i was playing everything at the time and, and loving them all and you know at that point i mean y'all are are the same age i mean we had to be drug inside when it was time to go to bed and and now i gotta i gotta force my kids to go outside you know it's it's flipped flipped 180 on us but we were outside all day was playing everything and then one day my dad he he called me in and my dad was a really good athlete uh back in the day And, and what he always told me was he was good at everything but he wasn't great at one thing and so he wanted me to be great at one thing. He wanted me to pick something. Didn't matter what it was, but, you know, put, put your heart and soul into it like you're putting half of your heart and soul into everything else. And so at that point, you know, I, I was pretty good at baseball. I was pretty good at football. I was pretty good at track. Um, I was better than pretty good at golf. And, you know, I'm white. I'm 5'11". I'm not probably going to play college football. Uh, I didn't punt. So, I had really no chance there. Um, so he, no, no place kicking golf. either. No, no, no long snap, <laughs> you gotta up. have those strong legs. I yeah. wanted to go to LSU, and there ain't no way I'm playing anything but golf at LSU. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so, so, so I picked golf, and, and that's what he wanted me to do. He didn't care which one I picked, he just wanted me to pick one. And so, I did. Uh, I chose golf and played solely played golf through high school and, and got lucky. Got a got a scholarship to play at LSU, and uh, and then got a little better and played as a pro, and now I just talk about trainees.
2: <laughs> That's not why we asked you on here, but um, yeah, you know, you actually brought up a good point, and it, it made me think of something that I heard. Uh, the full phrase that a lot of people don't know is a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes right. better than a master of one. Most people think it's just a jack jack of all trades is a master of none. I think it's great for you Know kids in general just have a diverse sports, I guess, exposure, uh, just to see what they like, man. Because if you're not passionate about it, you're not gonna be good at it, right? At the end of the day, yeah.
0: So yeah. I think your dad is very wise, though, because I was kind of in that boat where not that I I don't think I ever would have played anyone, D1 call, I'm not that good at anything, but um. I did so many different things for so long that I kind of robbed Peter to pay Paul a little bit. Right. And if I would have honed in on maybe two sports, I probably would have had a little bit more success, um, in those two that I really enjoyed as opposed to doing five or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. I think your dad is really wise and obviously it, it paid off for you. And I think that also kind of raises a caution to fathers today's you and you were hinting at it, right. With all the technology and everything, it's just, there's so many things to bombard your kids with, you need to build some margin into their lives too, right? Don't, too much of a good thing can be too much, right? And it, it can become a bad thing. So,
1: yeah, um, I've started with with sports with my kids. I mean, my oldest son is five and a half. But we've had him in baseball. We've had him in soccer. You know, but at this point, you just can't tell. And yeah, yeah, he's he's not a very motivated kid at sports, you know, he, he was, we put him out in center field and T-ball and he picked Clovers, you know, I mean, it, it, that's what he did. And, and that's fine. That's fine. Like it's, he's five. I I I don't care that much. He's yeah, a, big, a le- big Lego kid. He loves Legos. So he's five. He's wow. super smart. I don't know where it came from. It wasn't me, but he, uh, we started buying him these Legos and I'm sure y'all have too with, with your kids that, you know, they have an age range. There's a 3 plus, there's a 4 plus, there's a 5 plus. They even go to like 16 plus. I mean like thousands of pieces. So he did the 3s, he did the 4s and he was doing them in like 20 minutes. So we started he's 5. We we start now we give him 13 to 14 year old Legos and he just nails them. And I'm not going to pressure him to play sports, you know. Yeah. Just cuz I played sports doesn't mean he have to. You know, my dad was so good about that with me. And I saw it firsthand uh, of the the opposite side of the scale where there were kids that were getting recruited in high school that I was playing these high school tournaments against. And there'd be four or five college coaches there watching them. And their dad was just on them constantly about Mm -hmm. every shot. You know, the wind direction. You know, I saw a kid get cussed out for missing a green in high school. by these, And guess what? He went and signed a big scholarship deal flamed out after six months because he just hated it because yeah. it was for his dad. It was his dad at one point He didn't love it. Yeah. So I was just really blessed with a dad that, that let me go at my own pace and and really start running when I felt the need to. That's such well, a beautiful example. That's amazing. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Besides your dad, I guess my question would be is who is the biggest mentor or like uh, change in your life as a coach or just as a mentor in general and why?
1: That's a great question, man. I mean, I, y- y'all all played sports, I'm sure. And, and you can probably remember a coach that had an impact on you growing up. Um, I had I had three. My my granddad was my my granddad more than my dad. My granddad was the head of wildlife and fisheries in Louisiana uh, for 15 years. So when we lived in Baton Rouge, he taught me how to shoot, hunt, you know, nice. live in the woods, sure. uh, everything. <laughs> you know, you, you've seen swamp people. He was about like those guys. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's my mom. I love <laughs> <it>. <laughs> and then and then I had two, I t- had two coaches, my high school coach was a former football player in college. And they just he's a speech teacher at my high school and they needed a golf coach, he didn't know the first thing about golf. And he signed up to be the golf coach. Well, he treated us like his coaches in college football treated him. And what it was, I hated it at the time. It was, ho- it was horrible. We bear crawled the football field in 100-degree Texas heat, and we were running two miles three times a week for time. My time my senior year was 1230 for two miles. Um, and if I didn't make that time, I bear crawled the football field and back. Like it, it was just stuff that was no, no other golf team in the world was, was doing what we were doing. And I hated it at the time. But to this day, I'm 34 years old. And his name is Trampus Wilson. He lives. He's still down the street. He's won four state championships. He's finished second four times. He's probably one of the most legendary high school golf coaches in Texas. And at you know twenty years ago, when I was in high school, that you know he hadn't done that yet. But now looking back, there's a reason why he won so much, and it was because he was hard on his players, but he loved them at the same time. And nice. that's where the best coaches that's where the best coaches live. Yep. you know they're hard on you, but they love you at the same time. Uh, and then my college coach was was similar. He, he wasn't as tough on us, but I'm ne- I've never been told I love you by a man more than more than my college golf coach. You know, he was more of a if you had a bad day or I was the fifth score out of five and I expected better out of myself. You know, he he was more of a consoler and, and a steady voice in our lives. And he's won a national championship since. So I've just been nice. I've been littered my entire life with uh, incredible father figures. Um, And and so I feel as if the way I parent my kids is a mixture of everything that I've had.
2: That's so good. That's perfect, man. Um, All right. So I do have another question and this is something that comes from a, someone who comes from a competitive side of sports. So who is like, I guess your nemesis from golf or like who is somebody that like, you always chased or like had, had a great relationship with, but like kind of didn't, you know, yeah, like they want, they went up to
0: you all the time.
2: Type yeah. Um, yeah, uh,
1: God, that that's, there's so many of them in golf cause it's an individual sport, right? So you, sure, sure. Sure. you've got, you've got to beat 150 guys every week. Right. Um, but for, for me, it would probably have been Patrick Cantlay, my, uh, my senior year at LSU, he was a freshman at UCLA and he was number one in the country. And I think I was,
2: I think I've heard fourth, of him
1: fourth or fifth. Yeah. You know, obviously he's had a little more success since than I have, but back then we were, we were neck and neck and, and back and forth and we didn't always get along too well. But when we played with each other, it was a respectful hate. If that makes sense. <laughs> like, makes perfect sense. A respectful hate. So, um, him and and then when i got to college when i you know my my whole college career i had a roommate his name was andrew loop and uh he's when, when you say iron sharpens iron and you say um pressure causes diamonds and charcoal like th- this is a perfect example of that you know we came on campus at the same time uh recruited at the, in the same year we lived together for three years on the same team and if i wasn't there first he was there first if i wasn't there last he was there last right it was just one of those deals and it lasted for four years you know and then two years after college both of us make the pga tour in the same graduating class and it's only because of the two of us pushing each other for four years that's the only reason that it happened and um there there were there were a couple other occurrences like that but those are the two off the top of my head that that fit the mold the best uh, man I'm. you've hit on so many
0: things that we've kind of like touched on throughout doing our episodes about fatherhood and also like why men need other men in their lives and stuff and that little segment right there just it's such a great example of how genuine male friendships and uh, fatherhood figure you know father figures in in people's lives make such a huge impact so that's just really great to hear that you know it wasn't it wasn't the me show it was all the people behind you show you know um kind of coming to the head there but my question to you is, what is your, um, if you had one like nugget of wisdom for dads out there. What's the one thing fatherhood, according to John Peterson, if you could only Dude. get one tip. Oh, that's hard, man. If you I, want to think about it for a while? We can come back to it. No, that's, that's <laughs> fine. I mean, I,
1: I, I just think you have to parent your kids depending on who they are. I mean, I've got four of them and none, not one of them is similar, uh, that you you go from the what is it nature versus nurture right scenario and all four of these kids in my house have the same upbringing right they will have the same upbringing and i promise you all four of them will be very different because that's just how they're born and i have a my daughter she i can't i can't punish her like i can my son Mm-hmm. And part of it's because because you know she's my daughter, but she she does way worse things than my son. But she's so sensitive to punishment that I can't I can't spank her like I do my son. I spank my kids like I'm sorry, it's biblical. I'll spare the rod, spoil the child. I, do. I spank yeah. my kids, and, and that's it. I have spanked my daughter. She's she's four and I felt so bad, dude. And, and for, for, I felt bad, like, and, and our relationship was weird for, for a few days afterwards, but my, my, I have no problems spanking my two-year-old son, dude. I mean, he, he wears, he doesn't even wear clothes half the time. Like I've been sitting here in this office and looked outside. He's running around the street naked. Like I'm not spanking him for that, obviously, but he'll tip over trash cans. Like every, he's just, they're raised in the same house, but they're completely different. So I, my one, I guess, I, that's that's probably what I'd say is that there's no perfect parenting method. There's just not. You have to treat every one of them differently. And um, I, my youngest is nine months, and who knows how she'll be. She smiles a lot, but I guess my one tip would be adjust to the kid. Yeah, I think that's nice. good. Yeah, I like, I that. like that a lot. Brandon,
0: I think you had something to jump in with here.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So between your mentorship uh, from the different mentors you had, your sports and just your experience in fatherhood, what are some general qualities that you think um, other dads should should be equipped with that that you think would be something that would help them grow as fathers?
1: Oh, it's general qualities, man. It's just patience. I, I think I do a horrible job with this one um, because especially in professional sports and, and college sports, you know, the way I've made my living most of my life is go, go, go. And always keep, keep going and pushing to be better and all this stuff. But I just not, I'm not sure if that's the, the right method to, to raise kids. Uh, I I think patience is, Probably one of the things I struggle with the most with my children, probably because they're all so young and they're always drawing on the walls or breaking things. Or, you know, my two year old had a Sharpie out and just drew all over the entire house, like my wife's nice chairs and stuff. And I got so mad at it. And then I'm just I sit back and like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, we're still going to use the chairs. Like I'm not going to buy new chairs. He's just two. like he doesn't know any better. But I had no patience in the moment. I had no patience and it's very hard to do sometimes because you see thousands of dollars of damage happening in front of you. So you want to just yell and scream and cuss and all this stuff. And it's hard for us as men to to refrain from showing so much anger. And another thing, another thing I keep bringing my dad up, but he just never yelled, dude, never like he didn't cuss and he didn't yell at my mom at me none of us and i you know i've already done that and and it's just it's tough to do so if i was just going to say one thing it would be have some patience with your kids i mean i i fail at it every day but at least i'm trying to make an effort
0: i think what you finished yeah. with there is the important thing too that we try and say because none of us here is perfect either right And I've there are Way, way too many times in my own life where I was like, oof, I wish I could do that one over, you know, um, especially when it comes to being a dad, and uh, how you ended right there. It's it's the effort, right? Just incremental improvement. If it's something you struggle with, it's not going to just magically shift overnight, right? It's It's half a percent every day for years, right? And then that makes that real change. But yeah, patience and in those moments where they do something, that's yeah. that's a real tough one. But yeah. Justin actually shared a little clip with us before the show, kind of on that topic about um, kind of reframing, like before you initially act, kind of think about it. If this is like, I think it was something to the effect of, if this is the only moment you're ever going to get with your kid again. How do you want it to go? You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. and it may it may be that little jolt of like, oof, okay, I need to take a deep breath or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys can chip in with this one. It, it yeah, it, your kids, uh, your kids have that button that just hits you so much faster than anyone else, you know.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think he hit that uh, hit that on the head because the the one guy that everybody remembers and that has that it factor is always the one who's calm, cool, and collected in the most crazy situations, in the most wild, just you know, time in life. They're just like okay. Yeah they're the lighthouse in the storm yeah exactly they're always consistent they're always calm they're always collected that's and that's hard to be george you and i we we fall on that same page and i have a feeling and john does as well but like we get a little emotional sometimes it's like oh you know but like at the end of the day you gotta stop i prefer the
0: word passionate okay passionate yeah very passionate
2: (laughs) whatever you know what i mean i'm just saying like it's, it, it's hard not to be passionate about things, especially when you work hard for things or you do things and like, you know, your kid's got a Sharpie and he's hitting a $3,000 sofa. You're like, oh my God, <laughs> like, you're like, what are you doing? But then you got to stop and remember there too, you know, and, and. Right, show of hands, how many, how many who,
0: who's had a sofa die to the kids or like your kid's friends? Not wow. yet,
2: but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it up there.
0: <laughs> Everyone almost. <Yeah. laughs> I've got two, so I, I make it up for you. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dustin, I think you had something next.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. So my son's three. Um, If I, I've raised my voice a couple times, not proud of it, I try not to, but it does happen. Um, And when I have it scares the crap out of him because it's so rare and you know, he does something bad and I yell, hey, don't do that. And then he's so scared. He has no idea what he did wrong. He doesn't learn anything from it. So I grab him and I say, hey buddy, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you. Um, What'd you learn from that? I have no idea, I'm just terrified. Okay, that didn't work. You're 6'4", 220, daddy. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Don't yell at me. And so yeah. then same situation. He does something you shouldn't do. Um, and I'm calm. And I say, hey, buddy, um, can you not do that? And then I grab him and I go, hey, uh, what'd you do wrong? And he knows exactly what happened. So once it gets into that fear center, he's not going to learn anything. But if I'm able to maintain that uh, sense of calm, which I can mostly do, um, you know, he learns and it's a win-win. So I know for me, yeah, if I can maintain that frame, as you said, George, um, that, that's a huge win. So, John, question for you. Um, For your four kids, let's say they're 25, 30 years old, do you have any kind of long term goals where you go, all right, I would be very satisfied if I know that my kids did this, you know, does it matter that they have a job, that they're married, any of that kind of do you have any kind of long term stuff you think about like that?
1: I do. That's a great question. Um, Yesterday, I, I went down and watched LSU play in the Aggie Invitational in College Station. And the coach that recruited me that I just mentioned is still the coach there. So we don't think he's going to coach much longer. Um, He's done it forever down there. He's done a great job, but I wanted to see him. I wanted to see his team. So I went down there and watched. And while I was watching, I was watching a kid by the name of uh, Nick Arsimont plays for LSU. He's down there. He's from Lake Charles. And uh, his mom, Kim, was there. And I got to walk with her for a little while. And we got to talking and, and she drives to pretty much every one of his tournaments could be two hours, could be 20 hours to watch him play. And I was like, man, that's crazy to drive that far just to watch a kid play golf. But then I got to thinking about, I was like, how cool is it for you to watch your 20 year old son play for LSU? One of the premier sports universities in the country at the highest level of college golf. Like that has to be the coolest feeling for a parent to watch their child play at the highest level that they can like against the best in the country. And then I got to put myself in her shoes. I "I would probably be driving 20 hours too. Like, so you asked about long-term goals for my children. I want one of them to play something in college. (laughs) I just, I, I will, I will drive across the country to every event, like I don't care if it's water polo, like I will be there. I, I, so that's a tough sport. That was a great question because yeah. I literally thought about it yesterday, and and how cool it must be to to watch your child play a college sport. Uh, and yeah, that's that's my goal for them, my selfish goal for them.
3: I'll bet you got four chances. I'll bet you'll get one of them. <laughs> yeah. So I um, got the chance to meet Tom Brady a couple of weeks ago at his retirement event. And um, that's, they asked him, you're retiring, you know, what are you going to do? And he laughed and he said, I dragged my kids to my games for 10 years. Now it's my turn to go sit my butt down in that seat and watch them play. So that's what he's most excited about retirement with. So yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just can't imagine, you know, I'm trying to put myself in, in, and Miss Kim's shoes, Um, I just, I, it's a dream, it'd be a dream, really. I mean, I got more and more thinking about it on the way home and I, it wouldn't matter what the sport was. I do not care. I just, just want to watch them play a college sport. And we know we're we're watching them play soccer and baseball right now around here, but you know, it it really doesn't mean much uh, until you get to at least high school sports. So that's my selfish dream for them. Yeah.
3: So which of the four do you think it's going to be? It's gonna be my two-year-old, the, the kid that writes on the wall,
1: Yeah, it's not gonna be Luke, my five-year-old. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be very successful. He, he's gonna build the next like space station or something. Um, right? He will be fine. <laughs> uh, but my two-year-old just has that. He has that killer instinct. He knows he can read the room already, and 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 he gives me like these sly looks. Out of the corner of his face when he does something. And uh, he's just got that, that spunk about him uh, and, and that mentality that, that athletes have. And I could see it at, at two years old, you know, and maybe, maybe my, my four year old daughter too. She, she's a little bit like him. Uh, I got, I probably got one or two chances. We'll see how it pans out.
4: Awesome. Now you're officially retired from, from golf, correct? That's right. Are there anything aspiration wise that you're, you're looking to in the future for yourself?
1: Yeah. Uh, not with golf. No, no, not, nothing, nothing related to golf. Uh, I love golf. I still play a little bit here and there. Um, I'll, I'll give private lessons every now and then, but I've had, like I mentioned, I've got, I've had two wrist surgeries. Neither one of my wrists can take the beating anymore. Right. Um, so, I'm working right now. I'm working on my commercial pilot certificate, uh, which requires 250 hours and then a check ride with the FAA and a written exam. So I've done my private pilot, I've done my instrument rating and the next step, if you want to do it for a living is the commercial check ride. So I've got about 50 or 60 hours to go before I'm at 250 and then I'll be commercially rated. And at that point I'll get a multi-engine rating and step up into bigger, more capable airplanes like King Airs and and stuff like that. And yeah, I want to fly charter planes. Um, It's the first and only thing that I've found that gets my adrenaline going like high level professional golf did. And airplanes, aviation you're never going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfection in aviation. There's no such thing as perfection in golf. You cannot be perfect. They were, they're very similar in the fact that you never stop learning.
0: It's really interesting. I, I had never even considered that, but it makes a lot of sense to me.
3: Fighting with people and on I, Twitter I can see is why. Also I like adrenaline it. rush. So that's always a Right. Good. What now? <laughs> Fighting with people on Twitter is also an adrenaline. Oh rush. yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's yeah. the
0: pinnacle. Actually, there's no there's no higher adrenaline rush than yeah. that. So. It doesn't pay as good though. Yeah, it yeah. does not pay as good. I think Justin. I think you had something. Go ahead, brother. Uh,
2: yeah, man. I um, I guess. I never really heard the story behind your wrist. Like what, what happened? And just cause I was in sports medicine and ORs before I do what I do now. And I'm just genuinely curious, like Mm -hmm. what is it that, that happened that, that messed up your wrists?
1: Well, it's mostly wear and tear. Uh, there was not a specific instance that tore something or broke something or I felt, Oh, that, that hurt. Like something's wrong. Um, what had happened was the first time I had a carpal boss, is what their technical term was. It and it was right up here on the top of my hand. Uh, it was in 2015, was the first one, and I was in the middle of my best season on the PGA Tour. It was May. Yeah, it was May. We start the season in September. Okay, from so from September to May, I'd only missed one cut on the PGA Tour, and I had like seven top 20s. I hadn't won, but I was like thirtieth in the FedEx Cup, just. Already kept my card for the next year in the middle of a great season. All of a sudden, this left this left wrist started killing me. It wasn't a specific instance, like I said. It just it just got progressively worse over about two weeks. You know, I've been hitting four or five hundred balls, you know, every other day, just just like you have to do to stay sharp on the PGA Tour, doing what I'd always done. And I got to the Memorial up in Columbus, Ohio, Jack's tournament, as playing with Kevin Kisner and David Lingmurth, Thursday, Friday, and played on Thursday. Didn't play very good because my wrist was killing me. Friday, I was like, screw it. I'm going to take 10 Advil and see what happens. Because I'd been taking like six, and it wasn't enough. So I took 10. Didn't feel my wrist. Turned in five under on the front nine. And I think two under on the shot, seven under, and still missed the cut by one. And I figured at that point, it was super unhealthy for me to take 10 Advil. Uh, I got to do something about it. So the carpal boss happened in 15. Three years later, I tore two ligaments in the uh, bottom portion of my right wrist, had surgery on that. That didn't work. I actually had stem cells uh, after the surgery that fixed it, and I don't have any pain anymore. Um, the guy that did it said it's like 50 50 shot, at will work. It was a super awkward procedure. I don't know if you'll know anything about stem cells, but basically, the liposuction fat out of my ass went and spun it down like with a bike pump and brought it back. This, like, nurse came in here and shot it in my wrist and, 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 all four, you know, quadrants of my hand. And, uh, six months later, I felt fine. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty much the extent of my injuries.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that like, yeah, your butt is amazing. in your wrist now.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I had like a little, I had like a little dent. I had a dent from where they like sucked the fat out of my ass for for like six months. <laughs> <But> it, it <laughs> Little divot. Yeah, That's yeah.
2: amazing. That's um, all right, so I did have one more follow up question. So, favorite course and what's the best you ever shot?
1: My favorite course is the Honors Course in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, my, my my lowest round on a PGA Tour sanctioned event sixty three. No. Hold on. I got the ball right here. I don't remember what it was. 62 was my lowest round oh of the tour. Oh, God. Uh, Pretty good.
2: But, uh, Pretty good?
1: I've, I've shot a few 60s, <laughs> 61s. <laughs> it's a joke, 60. Justin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, they're, that's, a, that's a sweet, sweet track up there, the honors course in Chattanooga. They don't allow pros. Uh, they don't allow pro tournaments. We played the national championship there my junior year at LSU, and I haven't been back since. I've only been there once. But uh, probably because they don't allow pros, but um, I just it's one of those places where trying to describe this to you the best way I can uh, for people that listen to this podcast to kind of get a mental image of it. There's a just imagine like a country back road with a bunch of woods. All right. And then you got a farm gate that's 15 foot, 15 foot on either side and it opens and closes. Right. There's a there's a just a key lock with a chain in the middle of it. And this is a gravel road. If you don't know, that's where the honors course is. You'll drive right by it, but they open this this farm gate up. You go about five hundred yards through these woods, and it opens up into this massive golf mecca, and it is perfect. It looks like Augusta National hidden by a forest. Um, wow! Yeah, it's it, 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 Ch- Chattanooga it, it, is had,
0: really beautiful too. That, that, that great part, great part of the country is amazing. Yeah, it's I'm a little amazing. biased. I live in Tennessee. I but, I, you
2: know. I, now I've got to go play there. Like I'm <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll go watch you play. I'll, I'll drive the cart for you. There you
2: go. There you go. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. Uh, so, John, I had a question for you, if, and that is if you have any questions for us about dad dad stuff. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I was just trying to mix it around.
1: I mean, you asked me what my goals for my kids are. That's good. All like, right. That's go. selfish. My selfish goals. Um, George, what are your most selfish goals for your selfish daughter? Selfish goals. Um,
0: kind of like you I don't want n- nothing in particular I just want her to find something that she's very passionate about and compete at a high level or perform whatever the you know it could be music could be whatever it is but just because I, I was a very competitive person growing up you know junior olympics and stuff for some different sports and having that experience I think really helped me later in life too right not it's not just the moment of it so I kind of want her to have that experience so when she's an adult she's she's been tested a little bit. She knows she's done something and can kind of have that self-confidence to just handle whatever life's thrown at her. Um, but then I guess a little bit more selfishly too, you know, I hope she finds a, uh, a great guy who's worthy of, uh, you know, being my son-in-law one day and hopefully have some grandkids.
1: Yeah. Don't you think that that word you use tested is such an important word when you're young. Absolutely. Um- I do feel I do feel as if you have to be tested in every phase of your life, or you'll just go stagnant.
0: And yep. that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I and I think that's universal too with kids, regardless of their boy or girl. I think it changes, you know, when when we become men. I think it's a little bit different than than women, but we're gonna get ultra canceled tonight. Um, but I think yeah, kids kids need to be pushed, challenged. Uh, Adversity is a good thing, right? And and I, that's why we've talked about this before. Is sports is such a beautiful environment for that because no one's gonna die. You know unless you doing something super crazy but in in general it's a very healthy way to learn adversity a very healthy way to learn the pain of losing working really hard and it not working out right like that happens in life all the time so it's kind of a controlled environment for kids to grapple with these you know very real emotions and things like that so yeah dustin said unless you're a female mma fighter pitted against a man but um <laughs> yeah so that that's kind of my dustin bus That'd that be my selfish is, is a little bit similar to yours, but I just want her to have that one thing that she's genuinely passionate about that she finds and just really pushes, um, you know, to the best of her ability and compete a little bit. Cause I think that's kind of something that she'll be able to take with her whatever she does for the rest of her life. Um, and it'll kind of give her that strong foundation to, to weather the storm, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. so important, especially growing up, uh, that, the learning how to lose is a lot more important than learning how to win. And you become a winner by losing. That's just how it works. 100%. There's, there's no, there's no person in this world that's ever accomplished anything winning every time. It just doesn't happen. Man, so. you,
2: you literally stole the words. I was going to say, if I could answer that from my son, Bennett, um, obviously I would love for him to be the next Aaron judge or, you know, a, a, a golf pro like yourself, but, um, I want my son to know failure, embrace it and love it Right. because failure teaches you so much in life. And if you can accept failure and you can take failure and learn from it, you can do anything in this world. hundred percent. And I'm a true believer in that. And so I, I, I want my son to know failure and then learn to succeed from it. Um, I feel like that's, that's one of the greatest things that I could teach him is just like, don't let things keep you down. Just keep your head up, keep chin up and just keep going after it. And don't, Don't quit. It's like Rocky said in that. I don't know which one it was, but he was like, you know, you get hit. You got to keep getting up. You got to keep getting up. You know, that's that's how life is. It's not fair. It's not easy. I mean, this is a great podcast for that. This exact episode says that life isn't fair and there's crazy stuff going on in this world. So adapt, overcome, uh, fail a lot and often and then learn from it. So I I think that's what I would want uh, for my, my son currently. go
0: around yeah. the horn, Dustin.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I Oh, I did it. <laughs> Brandon, you got me on it. <laughs> I made it all last episode, did not say yeah, absolutely once, and I did it this time. Um, I want my son to have great lifelong friends. I think that is such an important thing that men need. And it, it isolation is increasingly problematic uh, for American boys. Uh, it seems like we all get into activities that don't involve community like it used to. And so I, I just see so many isolated and by extension, sad, unhappy uh, boys, especially. Um, women, I don't know, they seem to have figured it out better. They tend to do a little bit better job with community having friends, um, but American boys, American men, especially if they're not into you know physical sports, um, don't have a, something like 70% of men can't tell you you know who's your friend i don't really have one you know i've got acquaintances but i don't have like a, a good friend that i can talk to is it really 70
0: um, percent? it's really high yeah that's might actually be more like 60 but it's really alarming
3: yeah, yeah. it's wow. well you, you wonder where these school shootings are coming from and all that kind of stuff it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's isolation i mean none of these kids who, who shot up schools had friends or you know had you yeah. know, connections they were all just isolated uh kids and um so i hope my son has good friends like like I have you guys. I mean, I'll tell you what the past year, you know, doing this with you guys has been such a positive impact on me. I've had someone, you know, you've you've heard I've had some challenges, you know, with um, all kinds of things, and you've been there to listen and to, you know, give guidance, and that is everything. Um, so that's what I hope for my son is that he's got friends as good as you guys.
0: Mostly, I just tell you to put the
4: cookie down. <laughs> put the cookie down now. <laughs> no. All right, Brandon. I, I I have a lot of. Things that I, I have goals for my children mostly just because I have short term, mid range, and long term goals. Right. Um, one of the main things is I just want to create a ton of core memories with them. And when I say core memories, I mean memories that they'll look back, they'll smile, and they'll have it to say, "Man, I had such a great childhood," and my parents were always just so supportive and loving. And you know, a- another thing that I want them to do is I want I want to create emotional intelligence in my children. So you know, to help break any kind of thing that my wife and I might do. Like, you know, if if I'm dysregulated at all and I scream or I get impatient or I do something, I want, you know, first of all, I apologize, but I I want them to be able to regulate themselves where they don't have to do that in the future. They don't have to learn how I did late in the game. And so um, that and learning how to learn, because I I think in college for me, I really got in-depth On like philosophy and all these different classes and courses, and I didn't really know how to learn until I got in college and was actually challenged. And I want my kids to know that beforehand, so that when they go anywhere, they just adapt. Like you said, you know, they fail and they learn, and then they adapt. And so the learning part is really important for me. So I would say that. Obviously, marriage for both my children, I I pray that I pray that God prepares you know their their future wife and husband. Uh, I'd love to see them, you know, graduate from uh, schools, you know, prestigious schools, and you know, have careers that they enjoy. But, but yeah, I think those are the main kind of kind of things outside of just knowing Christ. Um, I, I really want my children to have that that hope.
3: But yeah, that, those are my main goals. A prestigious school like the University of North Carolina, for example, Brandon. <laughs> Oh Miss, <laughs>
1: yeah, no. oh, all right. the Harvard of the South, baby. That's, right. that's, right. Right. that's right.
3: what I'm talking
2: about. <laughs> all right,
0: I'll actually, you know that's a good that's a good segue. John, favorite like pro team? What's your Any sport? Which whichever one is your your go to?
1: My favorite pro team? Yeah, yeah, that's got to be the Rangers. Texas Rangers. Rangers.
3: Okay. Nice. Yeah. I guess Fort Worth, you're able to go dude, to games yeah. pretty
1: easily, right? thick and thin. I mean, they're terrible, but yeah, uh, they've got a brand they're, new one to go to. Yeah. Jacob DeGrom. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I was going to say, you um, got DeGrom. That's a great start. Yeah. Yeah. They've been bad for a few years. Ever since Josh Hamilton and, and those kind of those glory days, uh, we hadn't been great. But um, yeah, probably just the Rangers. I mean, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm, I'm more of a Saints fan than a Cowboys fan. Uh, living here, that doesn't go over very well, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't we're all
2: care Cowboys man. fans. I My wife's a Saints fan, so it's all good. Well,
1: I, I was
0: about to say being a Cowboys fan just doesn't go over well. Period. You know, it's been about <laughs> 20, 23 years, twenty four years. So where's uh, yeah. Aaron
2: Rodgers now, Dust George? Still got more
0: rings than anyone who's been on the Cowboys in the last two <laughs> decades. <laughs>
2: it's
0: our year next year. It's our year. This <laughs> is our year, baby. I've been hearing that for twenty years. All right. Well, hey, um, everyone, you can go find John on his own podcast called For the People. F O R E for the people uh john tell us a little bit about your pot. you just talk about whatever right all over the place or
1: yeah see right when i came on with y'all like (laughs) you got i got a dm you know it's like hey 20 minutes before you know like meet and greet situation deal on this and i I was like that's in my head i'm like that's stupid like we've never done that like why would i ever do that and i got on with y'all like i totally understand why you do it like y'all know (laughs) it's a great idea so like i learned more in the last hour (laughs) Coming on y'all's podcast to do mine, but yeah, we, no, we don't, we don't. We're we're here for you at all. Like we, (laughs) we really, we literally, we grab a six pack of beer and we'll sit here and talk about whatever for an hour. We get sideways too. I mean, we get a way off topic and it's mostly we've, we've had, all right, so I need to backtrack. We, we basically get guys on the PGA tour and the live tour that you would want To sit and have a beer with after you finish your round of golf. So we're not looking for the stiff guys that are giving you the politically correct answers. We're looking for guys that we know that that will have a good time and shoot you straight. Uh examples we've had Kevin Kisner, Harry Higgs, Joel Damon, um Pat Perez, Smiley Kaufman. We've had a hundred episodes. There's there's been a bunch of them, but nice. H. a few weeks ago it we do we do an all right job uh, we don't we're not as ex- expert as as y'all are <laughs> we,
0: we try to be somewhat professional but you know
1: every now well, and then you're, you're whipping our ass i'll tell you right well now. maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs> two strokes <under.
1: laughs>
0: yeah, i right, Well, for all our listeners go ahead and check out for the people uh, i'm gonna go check out some more of it myself sounds like it'll be a good time uh John, thanks for your time tonight. Go tell your wife a thanks for us for lending you, uh, <laughs> while it's bedtime and having to put away the whole, the whole little army out there to bed. And, uh, yeah, just appreciate you coming on and, uh, hopefully we never have to talk about the whole transit sports thing again. Um, but I, I really appreciate just the genuine conversation about fatherhood and it's those things like that. I think, you know, all dads are looking for that, right? Just, just to right. hear a little yeah. bit about it from someone Absolutely. else. And like, yeah, you know, that is awesome. And so that's why we do what we do and appreciate your time tonight um any final closing thoughts from you guys Round the horn no good
2: good to go yeah no i just want to say thanks man i appreciate you coming on and uh my final thoughts for the night is uh we don't like oregon and go tigers <laughs> at least i went
0: to the school that i'm wearing on my chest so with that we will
2: close and ladies and gentlemen well, my we will wife see got you. three degrees from her so you we can will back see that you outside. well we're
0: not talking about your wife we're talking about the present father's but, podcast hey, so, you my know. Largest
2: client, son. Uh, all right
0: <laughs> fair enough ladies and gentlemen we'll see you in about two weeks for our next episode john thank you so much brother um have a great night see you around
1: yeah you bet thank y'all
0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of the present father's podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.